I did it today. Are you sure about it? It's moving. It's okay. moving. Oh, look, I like that. That's a... Kirk, Fred, Brett, and I began to deal with the topic of Advent sometime back in the latter part of the summer, I guess. And when it came to the fourth Sunday in Advent, I figured it probably would be a reading like Luke 2, uh, perhaps another one of the classic scriptures that we might use in this time of Advent. Somebody came up with the brilliant passage of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We normally know it as the Great Commission. I began to look at previous material that I had, and what I had was a functional work that had drawings with it and all this other kind of stuff. But it was really more about telling someone the gospel. I'm sure you all have seen it. There's a man on one side, and Jesus is on the other with a huge gap. Hell is represented in that gap there, in between the two. But then came the cross. And it lays down between Christ and the man that allows access to the guy access to Jesus. There is more to that, but that really was the gist of that particular sermon. Now, I am not taking any importance away from the Great Commission here. Please do not get me wrong. But I kept thinking, how am I going to make this work for the fourth Sunday of Advent? How can I bring together... The looking forward to the birth of the Christ child, the overarching theme that we have for this year, God with us, and the message that the Great Commission brings to us. So Monday morning of this week, I took the sermon that I had, knowing that I was going to have a ton of work to to have to kind of shape it into what I wanted it to look like for today. And I said... This makes absolutely no sense at all. I cannot use this for for today. So I started over Monday morning, brand spanking new sermon, with no idea what direction I was going to take with it. I normally like to plan my sermons at least a couple of weeks ahead, if not longer. And for instance, I just finished January the 2nd sermon Uh, earlier this week, and honestly, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do that, but uh, normally I would have had that done, you know, at least a week or so before that, but this time of year kind of makes for for crazy times to work on sermons, so you just kind of work on it when you can, and who knows, you know, y'all hear the the sermon on on January the 2nd, you may think that I just threw it together, Uh, who knows, but it is finished. Just for your information, y'all can sleep better now knowing that I finished the sermon for January the 2nd. So back to the day, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 7, we hear these words I used a couple of weeks ago. His name will be called Emmanuel. In the Hebrew, translated in the interlinear, it is to mean God with us. Generations before Jesus was to be born in the midst of difficult times for the people of Israel, even at the moment this prophecy was given, there was the promise of God with us. If you want to take it that far, go back to Genesis 3.15 and you will see the first time that God made that promise. 
you were to go back and look in the Scriptures and look at that times that specific words were said, I will be with you, you'll see several places where God has promised that He would not leave or forsake His people, especially in times of trial, especially in times when they were good and peaceful, in times when there were challenges to the people. And God gave the people these words as comforting words, as words to help the people go and do what He had commanded them to do. Jesus gave us, for example, in John 13, uh, 33-35, the words to love one another. And then He says, if you do this, people will know that those who do these words are My disciples. You see where this is heading? As it has in other Advent messages this year, we're looking at the thought that God is with us no matter what we do, no matter where we are, as long as we show the love that He has given us. People are going to know who we belong to. I said a minute ago that we received this promise of God with us hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. We even hear him again in John 13, 33. I will not be here with you much longer. And where I'm going, you can't come here right now. But then in John 14, Jesus gives us another promise. The helper. The spirit of truth. In John 14, 18, he even says he will not leave us as orphans. Basically, he is saying he will be with us. He says, because I live you also will live. And in verse 25, the promise of the Holy Spirit to take the place of Jesus in our lives and on earth, He will be here so that we will remember that God is with us always. Now, back to Matthew 28, 19 through 20 again. I just gave you a brief reminder as to what Emmanuel is all about. Look at the last words that Jesus gives his disciples, all of his disciples, no matter the age. And behold, I am your Emmanuel always, even to the end of the age. You know, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, I I think it's safe to say that we believe that his work here on earth was completed. He died on the cross. The rest, as they say, is history. And yet, there was the resurrection. Many recognizing him in the days and weeks ahead. His personal encounter with Peter and others. But then, just before he ascended into heaven, there was one last thing he had to tell his disciples. Personally tell his disciples. For we know that when the Holy Spirit came to them on the day of Pentecost... They would understand so much more than they did at that particular moment prior to his ascension. But his last task, last task here on earth, I believe, was to give his disciples that last mandate. Go and teach and preach the gospel, making the people his disciples, my disciples, he says. As baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. To all, teaching them to observe all that Jesus had taught those disciples. And then the promise. The one statement that tied everything up in one package with one humongous, beautiful, 
hopeful bow. The one thing that Jesus had to say to his disciples to truly complete his task on earth. And behold, or lo, as it is in some translations, I am with you always to the end of the age. In essence, he is saying, I am, I was, and I ever will be your Emmanuel. As we said a minute ago. Can you see how the simple statement made by our Lord, the final recorded words that he gave his disciples 2,000 years ago and gave those same words to us today is almost like a Christmas card given to us? Think about that for a second. You know, oftentimes we send cards out to to folks. We, We look at the words on the cards to see if they really say what we want to convey to that particular person or or that particular family. And then we might even add another sentence or two in that same card just so people uh, get an idea. You've completed your thoughts that you wanted to give to them in that particular time. You want those words to be heartfelt especially if they're very close personal friends or loved ones. I really think that's what Jesus was doing here. He's giving them and us a final reassurance to his loved ones. I think this is what is is being done. His his disciples are, are receiving this last word of true love. The the greatest love that Jesus could give to them. Yes, he died on the cross. I understand that. But his promise to us, the very last words he gave us, I will be with you always. I don't know if there could be a greater gift for the last minute of Jesus, a time here upon, upon earth. Just as the word Emmanuel rang true in prophecies of days gone by, God with us. So are those words at Jesus' ascension. But the wonderful thing is those words are for us today as well. This is why we can celebrate the Advent with those words, God with us. Well, I think we've got that part of it down. Let's look a little deeper into these special words that Jesus gave us. The question could perhaps be asked, how is God with us? Well, and I think maybe these times that we live in make us want to just hang our heads and give up. I don't think we could imagine just how much Satan would delight in hearing those particular words or see it in our actions, just hanging our heads or throwing our hands up in disgust and despair. Maybe you said these words. I just can't take it anymore. I can't go on. I give up. If you look at Exodus 14, you'll see that the the Israelites were in that boat right then. They saw Pharaoh and his men coming right behind them, either to to take them back to Egypt to become worse slaves than they already had been throughout their, their recent history, or maybe even just simply be destroyed right then and there. So what happened? God turned what they thought was going to be defeat and made it their victory over the Egyptians. The parting of the Red Sea was their way out. We know the story well, don't we? I think we all do, from the smallest to the oldest here today. But do we ever think of it in the vein of God with us? 
Think about that for a second. Moses, our Exodus 14, 13 and 14, Moses tells the people to fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now get that. Stand still. The Egyptians are, are coming down their throat, ready to ransack them. And Moses is saying, stand still? Seriously? Fear not. The Lord will fight for you. And then get this. You shall hold your peace. In other words, you shall do nothing. There'll be no retaliation. There'll be no nothing. And yet God promises them victory with these throngs of Egyptians coming at them. Closer by the second. One of the reasons this season is so important is that more people will be in church this Sunday, and especially Friday night, Christmas Eve, than any other time of the year except for maybe Easter. We have the opportunity to invite someone for, to, for this evening service at 6 or to another Christmas Eve service. For what? So that people can be entertained with sweet music? Perhaps. To make themselves feel closer to their God? Maybe, I would hope so, that they would feel some sort of closeness to God with this Advent season. But we have the chance in the next few days to show them that God is with us. And He is with us even today. And He is with us any time that we meet together. And He is with us when we are out in the world. And He is with us when we have times of challenge and trial in our lives. And He is with us when we have joy in our lives. And He is with us when we feel like we are down and out and are on our last legs. And He promises us a peace. A peace that passes all understanding. It's that same peace that Moses was telling the Israelites about to experience when they were about to be taken over, they thought, by the Egyptians. I would hope that people would be able to see us and say, I want what they've got. It gives us a chance to show the world that we will not be defeated. That we have a Savior that will be with us all when all of these things take place as we just said. That's why we, you and I, need the Lord with us always. To be able to remember that and share that promise with the world. Not just at this time of year, but every single day of the year. I just mentioned Moses saying to the people uh, to, to fear not. Do you know what that implication has when he says fear not right after that? That God is indeed with them. There are and there was. This is a hard thing to try to figure out. But I found there are 103 either do not fear or do not be afraid in, uh, listed in the scriptures. Those, those particular words. And in those three or four words, depending on how you look at it, came the promise just afterward, God is with us. If it wasn't said, it was again implied. 
It's at this time of year that we as followers of Jesus Christ have the opportunity to not only share in the joy of Christ coming to earth for the first time, but we can share with unbelievers the joy and the anticipation of His returning to us. And when we share that good news, following the Great Commission, as Jesus gave us in our Scripture reading for today, we can do so with the thought that God will be with us all the time and He can be with them as well. If we just accept His Son as Lord and Savior, even if they feel like they're about to give up, maybe especially if they're feeling like they're about to give up. God is with us as well when we have needs in our lives. Here's a toughie for a lot of us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This has got to be one of the more difficult passages for non-believers who are so wrapped up in their material possessions to hear. In fact, it goes against everything that we're taught in this day and time in our society. But this is not something that's going to miraculously happen either. For some of us, it's a lifelong fight to not let the love of money rule our lives. But with God, we can begin and know that we can take each day at a time without fear in our lives and know that God will provide for us everything that we need for that day. And the more days we pursue Him, the easier that pursuit becomes. Will we ever get everything we wanted in life? I sincerely doubt it. And yet look at the things in life that we might think that we want. You ever thought about that? All of these things that we think we might want. Ask yourself this question. With me, if I got this, am I going to glorify God with that possession? How can I glorify God with that possession? Now, if you can answer that question with an, an affirmative answer, then perhaps maybe it's worth pursuing. But, I don't think a a, a 2022 Porsche is actually going to glorify God. Not in any way that I can see, at least, anyway. Anyway, you see what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, well, sorry to bust the bubble there, but I mean, just ask yourself the question. That's all I'm saying, you know. Don't let me burst the bubble. You burst it yourself, okay? This is another tough lesson for us, though, but one worth pursuing. What we do have is the Lord. As a follower of Jesus, to know that He is indeed with us, we should rejoice alone in that fact. Another thought that we can gain from Jesus' words to us in our reading today is to know that we will never be left alone. When Jesus tells us that He'll be with us even to the end of the age, His presence in our lives is not a drop-in, drop-out sort of thing. Notice again, he says, I am with you always. Maybe the question should be asked then, when we think that Jesus is not with us, when Jesus has forsaken us or left us, 
Have we shown him the door? Have we left him out? Jesus, get this now, Jesus will never be farther away than as far as you can keep him away. Consider that. Jesus will never be farther away from us than what we can keep him away from us. God is with us in the midst of difficult times, as in the best of times he's with us. I can't tell you how many times I have had people come to me after having just lost a loved one. In fact, I even had it just this week. Or they're experiencing some blow to that family or maybe to their own health, things like that. And they tell me, I just do not see how people can make it without Jesus in their lives. Well, neither do I. They may try. They may even make it through the valley that they were in at that particular time. But it would have been so much easier had they had God with them during that difficult time. This is where church family comes in, guys. Do we always have the right words to say? No, I can tell you that right now. We all sound, we all try to pontificate, I suppose. We all try to sound so spiritual around folks that are experiencing uh, loss and that sort of thing. And we all mean well. No one is looking down the nose of some, you know, and, and, and thinking that you're better than they are because you haven't lost anybody. So you know what you're talking about. But listen to this. I go back to Job and the pain and the agony that he experienced with the loss of, of much of his, that he had in his life. And then, and I think this was the final cut for him, his wife, in my mind, turning on him as well when she says to her husband, just curse God and die. When those words were said, I think that was as low as Job would ever be. Job had three friends, though, who came alongside of him and for a time just sat with him, said absolutely nothing. Those were the best friends that any man could ever, or woman could ever have on the face of the earth until they opened their mouths. Think about that. Those, those guys just sat and were with Job as he was mourning, as he was suffering, as he was physically hurting. Because you remember with all the sores that he had on him, he was scraping them with, with, with shards of, of, of ceramic, that sort of thing. And they just sat. But when they started talking, well, you must have done something to make God mad. You know, if you'd had done this instead of that, this wouldn't have happened. That's when they lost what they, what they had at that particular time. Sometimes the best friend that we can be to someone else is to merely be a silent friend. But with, when the time comes, remind them that God was always there too. He is with them then and now. It's one of the best things that we can ever do. But again, it is through the silence that you can oftentimes be the best witness for the cause of Christ that you could ever be. You ever thought about it that way? Consider it. God will be with you in times of danger as well. He created us. 
He loved us enough that he sent his son, God, with us, Emmanuel, to keep us from eternal damnation. He has known us since before we were ever born. As far back as before time ever began, he knew us all. So when we read Matthew 28, 19 and 20, let's not look at those verses any longer as just an isolated situation as the as he as Jesus commissions his disciples of that day and of every age then to go out and teach and preach the gospel his story to the rest of the world this promise at the end of verse 20 is far greater than that in my opinion it's the culmination of the prophecy concerning his life yes but i think it's more than that It's Jesus' final reminder to us that he is indeed with us always. Now, in this season of Advent, at Easter, in the middle of the year, in every season of the year, Jesus, our Emmanuel, is with us. Yes, even and to the end of our age and beyond. He's with us no matter where we are what we're doing, and maybe even how we're doing it. My question as we close today, and there's a few here, is how will you respond to that thought? How will you show others in this season of all seasons, of the ultimate display of God's love to us, how will you pass the word that we are not to fear the future, that God is indeed with us, every step of our way. Won't you convey that simple message, not only of Christ's birth to us that we celebrate in this time, but that he lived and he died for us as well. Won't you share that message with all you come in contact with? So do not fear, for I am with you always. It just may be the most important message of love that you ever share with another human being in your entire life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you for this morning and for this wonderful message of love that you are with us always, even to the end of our age, even to the end of the age. We just ask you, Father, Make us more understanding of that each and every day. We hear these words, yes. We hear them quite often. But do they sink into our hearts so that not only do they grow within us, but that we might share those words with others that truly need them. Help us, Lord. Help us to grow to that end. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.